Here is what God wants you to know. You are not alone. And God wants to meet you. That is the Emmanuel principle we're learning together. We're learning how to do life with God, not isolated or uh, left to our own devices, because I can't, but God can. And that's what this season, Christmas time, Advent, is all about. And what I want to say today is, um, if you're going to meet with God, it will have to be in the tasks that you do today. So I want to invite you right now to think about what do you have to do today? And you might pull up your calendar on your computer or your phone if you want to. This is what calendars used to look like way back in the day. I still have one of these. I still actually use one of those, kind of, not mostly. But um, I want you to consider the possibility that your day, among other things, will involve a series of experiences, tasks, activities for you to be involved in, in which God is deeply participating and that he wants to partner with you on where he wants you to find him. Now, I know from personal experience, that will often be difficult. There'll be some tasks that I will have that you will have today. And you'll think this is too hard. It stresses me out. It over challenges me. I don't like it. And then it'll feel like I don't know that God honestly would make any difference. And then there'll be other tasks that you have to do that are so small, so trivial, so superficial, fixing a meal, washing the dishes, running an errand, that you will be tempted to think, this is too mundane to invite God to be a part of or to talk with him about. I would feel silly. And I want to tell you, growth in any area of human life inevitably involves feeling silly. That's true if you want to grow intellectually. That's true if you're trying to learn how to do a sport. Uh, you cannot grow because growth involves entering into areas where you don't know. And other people do, and you know you don't know. And so you feel silly. You cannot grow without being willing to feel silly. And although I know it sounds strange, that is deeply true when it comes to our relationship with God. So now, begin to think right now about the tasks that you have to do today. And I want to talk with you about one of the characters in the Christmas story. This is from the Gospel of Luke kind of the beginning character as Luke lays out the story. In the first chapter, in the fifth verse, Luke says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, Herod was the big guy. He was a king. He had kingly things to do. He had important things to do. There were something like 20,000 priests back in that time in this obscure little country of Israel. So nobody thought that Zechariah was an important person. But God comes to be with, not Herod the king, but Zechariah, the lowly bureaucratic priest working in the temple. The temple, you will remember, is the place that Israel looked to where God and God's presence to be with us was available in this world. Zechariah was somebody who loved God and his wife Elizabeth was as well. So he would pray to God. But he was also somebody who was deeply disappointed he and Zechariah, we're told, in addition to being devout, serious about their spiritual lives, they also badly wanted to have children, and they did not have any, and they were getting along in years, and there was no answer as to why. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, 
He was serving as a priest uh, before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembly worshipers were praying outside. So this is a story that is immersed in prayer, people trying to find God. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped by fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. What an amazing promise. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He was to be what was called a Nazarite. Uh, and um, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is one along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to you to tell you this good news. Now, um, Zechariah uh, has a task to do. At one level, it's just simply the task that had to be done daily to offer incense to God. But he's also deeply concerned about his nation, his country, his people, as many of us are for our country. And he also carries with him the concern about he and his wife, Elizabeth, and their disappointment. And God comes to him in the midst of what he thought was going to be a quite ordinary time doing this. And it is the angel Gabriel that comes. Now, Gabriel is mentioned three times in the Bible. We'll see him again because he comes to Mary. The first time that he came was to the prophet Daniel. When Daniel was praying at a same time during the daily sacrifice, and Gabriel said, someday the anointed one is going to come. He will have nothing. He will be put to death, but he will be the one through whom God will deliver and be with people. And, and I picture Gabriel waiting after that year after year, century after century, saying to God, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Not yet. And now as Zechariah, God says, okay. And we see Gabriel a second time. And he says, he tells Zechariah, a son is going to be born who will turn the hearts of the fathers toward their children. This season, the coming of God to us will be marked, among other things, by the restoration of relationship. I want to say that to you because Christmas often brings up for lots of us the pain of broken relationship. And as you face Christmas, you might think about somebody that you love that is um, no longer with you, an empty chair around the table or of a relationship that has been shattered, maybe because of abuse or neglect or harm or rejection, somebody that just does not want to be with you anymore. And that's part of God saying, I will be with you even in the midst of that. Now, Zechariah's question to Gabriel is, how can I be sure? We all want certainty, and certainty is not terribly important to God. And uh, God wants obedience. God wants a responsive heart, but he's not always going to give us certainty. And so Gabriel says, well, uh, I, I'm going to, um, uh, you will not be able to speak now for nine months until this child is born. And we often think about that as a punishment. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a gift. 
Maybe Zechariah needed silence. Maybe Elizabeth asked him all the time, what happened today? Give me the report. How did it go at the temple? And for him to just be able to reflect and ponder, maybe he was Scandinavian, introverted. Maybe that was kind of a gift. He wanted a sign. Maybe the sign that the angel was giving him was actually just, you will be silent for a period of time so that you can ponder and reflect and your soul can stretch and you can find me in this season. Maybe some silence today would be a good thing to you. And when that child comes, sure enough, Zechariah is able to speak again. And then he pours out great worship and praise. Because God has come to Zechariah. Uh, The angel said to Zechariah that his son, John the Baptist, will turn the hearts of the father towards their children. The very first heart of the very first father that John the Baptist will turn will be Zechariah, his own dad. I get to be a father. Now, I mentioned to you that as we walk through this Advent season, one of the people we're going to learn from is Frank Lubbock who is a great thinker and writer, missionary in the Philippines. Here's what Lobbock wrote, because he decided to make his whole life an experiment to see how far he could go in uh, living with God, with Jesus. He writes, In school, a teacher lays out work for his pupils. I resolve to accept each situation of this year as God's layout for that hour and never to lament that it is a very commonplace or disappointing task. One can pour something divine into every situation. My temptation will be to think, maybe this is way too big for me and I can't find God here. There's no hope for this. Laba goes on to talk about how one of the mental characteristics that he finds in himself is he will rebel against what he calls the frequency of his blank spells. As somebody who was supposed to write and teach, he'd have nothing to say. And he said, instead of just um, stewing and obsessing and uh, uh, ruminating about that, I will take it as an invitation from God to be silent and ask for God's help. When Dallas Willard was a young man, I was just reading about this. Before he was even working on his doctorate, he was involved in ministry, but it was frustrating for him because he couldn't find people to ask him to go speak someplace. And he said, here's the thought that came to him from the Lord. Never seek a place to preach. Seek to have something to say. God knows we don't need more people who want to hear themselves talk but to seek to have something to say. God, would you give me something to say? So I'll find for myself, sometimes I will feel frustrated or anxious or preoccupied to do the best I can to work, to read, to learn, to study, to listen, and then to say, God, I want to meet with you here. Maybe if I can't find something to say right now, to just be still. And then to trust, if a moment comes when I have something real small to do, Today, Nancy asked me to move a chair that somebody put into one of our rooms that she couldn't figure out how to get through the door, that I had to get through the door. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. And it's easy for me to feel like I don't have the time. This is frustrating. I should be above having to do this kind of mundane thing. And then the thought came, just invite Jesus to be a part of this. And again, I felt really silly. But I got to move the chair anyhow. So I just said, would you be a part of this? And it was not long after that where it's like, oh, yep, this is the way that it will fit through. 
didn't have to destroy it or the door. To take this day, see, here's the thing. Here's what Labak was saying. Here's what Zechariah found when he went into the temple. To take this day as a day where whatever situation you're in, whatever task you face, God is there like a great teacher, like a great coach, like a great boss, recognizing that if he gives you this job to do and you try to find it, him in this, you can pour something divine into it. You are not alone. This day, this moment, Emmanuel. Hey, thanks for joining us. To receive a text alert when new episodes are released, you can text the word BECOME to the number 855-888-0444. You can also send prayer requests there, and we would love to pray for you. To receive the emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me slash subscribe. Special thanks to Matthew Custer for the art and design for this series. See you next time.